Welcome to another episode of the official DigiMarkCon podcast. Here's some of the latest top-voted keynotes, panels, and masterclasses from recent DigiMarkCon digital marketing, media, and advertising conferences worldwide. Get ready to gain insight into emerging strategies, the latest trends, and best practices from industry thought leaders and experts to move your business, brand, or agency to the next level. Okay, so uh, I have to say good morning uh, because it is 6 a.m. Uh, bright and early here in Arkansas in the USA. So if you're getting a little bit sleepy from having your lunch or whatever, um, uh, I'm envious because it is uh, really early for us here uh, in Arkansas, uh, USA. So as he mentioned, uh, my name's Jeff Turnbow, and I've been in the marketing industry now for over 20 years. And uh, I love the topic of paid search uh, because this is kind of the area that I've been focused on of all the other areas of marketing. Uh, I've been doing paid search probably uh, 15, 17 years. So it's something that's uh, uh, really special to me and has been um, kind of a key uh, or foundation for uh, most of my clients that I've been working with over the years. And I really enjoy uh, DigiMarkCon. Uh, obviously, it's a little bit different because we're now in this little screen, but I can't wait to get back on the road and walk across the stage and really interact with people uh, at the conferences because it's so totally different when you're uh, it's just right here in front of this little camera inside your office, uh, inside your shell, if you will. So. Hopefully everyone's awake and ready to talk about paid, paid search marketing. First thing I want to tell you to do is everyone just kind of relax, count to 10. <laughs> Advertising's not dying. You don't have anything to get crazy feared about, fearful about. Um, it's going to be okay. So um, just want to put that out there first. And for, for many of you who are uh, attending this, um, some of you are going to notice that I'm going to talk about some kind of really core fundamental things, uh, not anything that's uh, super over the top or in depth. Um, but for some of you, uh, then this could be a little bit more of a deeper dive because what I've found over the years, uh, and especially in the past year, is there are still many, uh, many Fortune 100 companies or many companies out there that who have been uh, using um, their own Google uh, uh, paid search platforms internally. I'm sorry, going direct to, to Google for their for their paid search, uh, organizing all of their keywords, uh, managing all of their keywords. They've been doing a lot of this in-house with very little uh, systems um, or any type of uh, uh, major platforms being used. So I realized that. So I'm going to speak to a lot of those uh, people who are watching. And, and as well to the ones that, who have been uh, uh, using some uh, sophisticated platforms as well over the past. So I uh, should be able to, to reach uh, all of you and, and hopefully you'll get some nuggets from this that, that will be beneficial uh, to all of you who are um, interested in paid search. So how do you choose a top five, right? I mean, there's so much going on in this industry right now. And there's so many layers to search and, and we could really just dig into it uh, for days, right? Uh, because it can be really complex. 
and everyone's concerned about privacy and cookies and all of these different things that are happening. So the one thing I want to do to make everyone a little bit more assured right now is, you know, the core fundamentals of marketing haven't changed. So keep that in mind. Uh, this is a time where really the marketers and the advertisers kind of separate themselves. Uh, but if you've got experience in the in the realm of marketing, these changes are not going to be as frightening and scary as it is for some who are maybe just beginning or just trying to figure things out or reading all of these different blogs where everybody's like freaking out about all the changes taking place. So I'll speak a little bit to that. Uh, but what I, what I really want to talk about uh, basically is uh, top five would be uh, uh, talking about responsive search ads, uh, using more AI or less AI in uh, PPC, uh, along with smarter bidding. Obviously, we have to talk about voice search. Uh, I'm going to also talk about quality score because quality score is um, very relevant still. Um, and then also talk about uh, first party data. So we're going to uh, kind of get into that right now. So kind of circa uh, 2016, uh, where everyone's basically uh, writing their own uh, ad copy, uh, expanded text ads, uh, basically allowed you uh, your ad copy to be organized into the basic three headlines, two descriptions, um, anchored into place, you know, very, very basic stuff. Um, and then came along uh, responsive search ads. So they look a lot like the ETAs uh, on the search engine page, uh, but they're built different. So you get a many different variations. Um, you get to uh, place these uh, variations so that when, when customers are searching online, then certain matches happen, which allow your ads to appear more relevant. And that's really important because uh, as we go through all these changes that are happening in, in cookies and data and uh, things that we think we're being uh, isolated from or things that we think are negative, we have to, you know, good marketers look for the uh, positive in the negative atmosphere. And so what we have to realize is the issue of relevance still the same. Google still wants to do what it's always done, which is serve the ads that meet the needs best of those who are searching. Facebook, same thing. So their, their goals are still in line with our goals, and that's something very important to keep in mind. So uh, there's different, line, when you're talking about responsive search ads in action, basically um, you would kind of break it down into your ad assets would be like your headlines. You could have like three to 15. And then uh, for descriptions, you know, two to four descriptions plus your URL. And this would all go into Google's machine learning technology. And then when someone would make a search online, those responsive search ads would basically show up and look more relevant to those who are searching. The way it would look uh, basically to the viewer is as if they, they had a direct match. So this is an example here of someone who typed in uh, dog daycare, and then as you can see, the ad match the dog daycare keywords, uh, but then uh, added one of something that was uh, relevant for them at that time, which was best dog daycare in Malden, happy dog, happy wallet. So you can see how the responsive um, search ads worked uh, during that time. The first thing uh, that's important for everyone 
um, who's using, especially if you're working direct with Google, um, is to understand what you're running right now. So um, you want to look into your uh, systems, make sure that you're building out uh, the new RSAs, and also uh, keep in mind that there aren't the only um, the way to go when it comes to paid search ad types in Google. Um, for example, call ads, dynamic ads, uh, all very important um, to keep in mind when you're building these out yourself. Now, I want to go right into smart bidding uh, because um, smart bidding to me, for me, goes back um, a very long time. Um, in fact, on the next slide, which I probably should have advanced uh, uh, first, um, I consider I've been doing smart bidding for over 15 years. So back, uh, gosh, about 17 years ago, um, I started working with, a, uh, partnering with a company with my agency at that time, uh, Reach Local, was the first company to actually build out a proprietary system of conversion-based uh, optimization. And what I've been really surprised to learn is that 15, 17 years later, uh, I work with or I meet with clients uh, almost on a daily basis, and they have search teams that have not used these systems or um, some of them haven't heard of them, but um, they are definitely still out there. And so what I would recommend is if you're not using a smart bidding platform, uh, definitely uh, invest in that and uh, it'll make your life so much better. So what I mean by smarter bidding. Um, so there's lots of different things, that you, lots of different ways you can define smarter bidding. Uh, first of all, day parting. Um, obviously schedules your ads to appear at certain times of the day. Geolocation shows your ads in certain specific uh, places. You can do smart bidding based on your KPIs. Um, also, you can do smart bidding based on any of your uh, learned customer journeys, which is very, uh, very important. And then also demographics and uh, lookalikes. So what can this do for you? How does this help you? Well, first of all, it helps to optimize the keywords and ads after an event maybe that you've had. Um, also for cost per click, or um, if you're falling below a certain amount, it helps optimize those keywords to bring those back up. Also, it can determine the performance of your ads in relation to your quality score. So you can, you can look to see which keywords are, are working best with your website uh, based on your quality score. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that in that segment. Um, also, it helps to analyze the bids that are most likely to achieve the, the maximum traffic, so the overall traffic coming into the website. Smart bidding also uh, helps you predict uh, the click-through rates for future ads um, and obviously enhance your, your PPC campaigns. And then uh, also it helps determine how user-friendly and relevant the landing page or landing source is for that searcher. Uh, in, in essence, load, load times, keywords, how basically relevant the content is uh, for your audience and can help you in, in optimizing your website or uh, your landing page. Now, we obviously can't talk about search without talking about uh, voice search because obviously uh, you can see there's uh, voice search is, is just built into our everyday lives and it's something uh, it, so fun that we talked about this, I think, three years ago at Digimarcon as as an emerging trend that we need to get on right now. Wow, has that like blown up? 
So uh, yes, it's it's everywhere. In fact, uh, I've got to be careful how I talk, or I'll actually turn on some some voice devices in in the room here. So uh, we're all using voice devices, whether we're in our cars, you know, on our watch or wherever we're at, and. Some of us are still lagging in this area because we haven't realized how uh, important and dynamic this market for this segment is. Um, just to show you kind of where this is going, uh, in 2020, 30% of web browsing uh, was screenless. Um, so this obviously created a shift in how we're advertising. Uh, by 2022, over 55% of households um, are expected to own a, a smart speaker device. So in, just to kind of break this down, I looked up um, for, for an office the other day, I looked up an Amazon Echo, which is 28 bucks, I think, on Amazon. So all of these prices are coming down on all these smart devices, and then also more uh, smart voice search devices are being offered to the public. So obviously, more and more people are going to be using this. Um, what's kind of interesting is if you kind of dig down into the data a little bit, you see that 65% of 25 to 49 year olds um, are talking or speaking to their devices uh, at least once a day. And that's an important demographic, obviously, for most of us who have customers. Uh, so they're most likely to perform daily voice searches and then also followed by the younger segment, the 18 to 24 year olds. Um, and then, of course, 50 and up um, in, in that area. Um, so the 25 to 49 year olds are the most active searchers and uh, the 18 to 24 are actually driving it. So that just kind of makes sense. If you think about it in the household, you have your teens or those, you know, maybe from college who are purchasing these gifts for their parents or um starting to be the early adopters and, and spread the information out to the uh, to the other segments. Um, what's also interesting is about 20% of all the voice uh, queries are triggered by a specific or kind of uh, focused core uh, 20 to 25 keywords. And if you think about how you use your devices, this really makes sense. So many of the, the searches that are happening often start with how, how do I do this? Or what is this? Or where's the best Italian restaurant? Or what's the easy way to fix whatever? So it's kind of interesting to uh, just source and search for uh, the voice queries um, that are most used um, in your site, in your industry, in your uh, specific geolocation, because then you can apply those to how you build out your keywords and how those will affect your performance. Um, so when it, when it comes to voice, what do people typically do? Well, I think it, that's pretty obvious. When you're using voice, you want to avoid typing uh, as much as possible. So the next step that, that people are, are, are taking after using voice is they're just basically calling the business or they're visiting the business website or they're visiting the location. Uh, and this, I think, is just goes without saying, because if you're using a device, you're trying to be as hands-free as possible. So phone calls, obviously, uh, and then also visiting the website are going to appear at the top of that. Just something to point out here, um, you know, a lot of clients in the service industry or clients who have call centers, um, when you're looking at conversion activity, um, phone calls convert um, 
at a 10 to 15% more revenue than typical web leads. So if it's an if then situation uh, in terms of uh, if you're having to narrow down how many conversions you're actually tracking, then obviously you want to um, put that energy into the phone calls because that's going to create more revenue for the business. Now I want to talk a little bit about a quality score. So when we talk about quality score, there's a lot of different uh, opinions out there about quality score, if it's still uh, relevant um, or it's, you know, is it still significant? Um, I've been doing search now for over, uh, like I said, over 15 years. I believe it's incredibly relevant. Um, it goes with the natural organic um, uh, mission of Google, Facebook, and others. So um, I want to just basically talk about that for a little bit because there's still, uh, I meet with people every day that don't understand quality score or they're not using it. It's not a significant piece of the puzzle. So basically when we're talking about uh, quality score, you have two different um, graphics on your screen and they both kind of say the same thing. They just say it a little bit differently. So we're talking about ad rank, which is kind of your best combined uh, cost per click bid with the quality score of your page. And then we're looking at the maximum bid that you wanna pay for the keywords. And so when you put those two together, you can see in the other example, it's really just boiling that down to uh, how that keyword is relevant to the ad into your website. It's also matching that with the customer experience and that's giving, giving you obviously a, a quality score. So. How can you increase your quality score uh, when it comes to uh, paid search? So um, obviously using RSA's long tail keywords, uh, doing more research into what's actually converting on your site uh, is gonna obviously help increase that, that quality score. Um, being better at organizing keywords and being better at, you know, if you're using smart bidding, going in and looking and seeing which keywords are not only performing uh, based on maybe data, but actual conversion activity. So splitting those into a more tight organized groups so they can be more effective at, um, when they're tied to your ad campaigns. Also refining, uh, sifting and refining uh, is so critically important. Um, testing your ad copy, you know, A-B testing. There's still many people that, that aren't doing that. Um, but learning which, which is the best ad copy and which are the best experiences that your customers are um, clicking, and that will help improve the quality score as well. And then also, it, it just, you know, typically goes without saying, but it needs to be stated more and more that as we're building out these sites and pages, we have to keep in mind that what Google, Facebook, what all of these different uh, uh, medias want to do is, is is match relevance. They want to give what, what the people are searching for. So we have to really be concerned and cognizant that we're still creating relevant pages and content uh, that matches with the ad campaigns uh, and the conversion goals that we have. And then of course, making sure that you're uh, staying on top of negative keywords because those can, can make a significant difference uh, in your quality score as well. And watch what you're bidding on. You know, I have a lot of people that are bidding, still bidding on comp, uh, competition or competitors and uh, driving up or driving down their quality score, which is driving up their, their cost per click. 
so keep that in mind. Uh, what we found and what I still find to this day is quality score is affecting your efficiency. It affects your cost. And uh, you can see kind of a breakdown here uh, of the benchmark of a quality score of five. And then you can see that if you increase that to a six, uh, then you've increased it by 17% in, in terms of your savings. Um, if you could increase that to nine, to eight or nine, then you're looking at 37 to 44% increase in your efficiencies and your cost. And uh, as you know, that's super important when it comes to uh, managing your marketing campaigns. Uh, if you want to check your, uh, check your score, if you haven't done that already, then I highly recommend it. I've placed a, a URL here on the page, uh, but you can obviously Google that. Um, but it's something definitely important to do. Uh, dive into your search platforms and look to see how your keywords uh, are matching and what the quality score is so that you can get a better idea if that keyword, it may be performing well, but it may be costing you a lot simply because the, the quality score isn't uh, in line. Um, something else I um, wanted to uh, let you guys know about, you can reach out to me um, at any time. Uh, you can reach out to me at, at the winninglocal.com website. Um, we have a, um, something I can send out to you, uh, finding out the secrets behind ads with a three times average click-through rate. So if you're looking for how quality score can affect your business, uh, we can send you more, more data on that. Cookies. I wish I had a cookie right now, <laughs> but uh, so this this is something that's the top of, of every marketer out there. It's something that we're we're all facing right now, and there's all kinds of data information out there. Uh, what's going to happen? What if this? What if that? Um, so basically, what what everyone's trying to do is just create more privacy, better experience for users out there. You know, I don't really see anything wrong with what's happening. Um, you know, I, I definitely want some protection when I'm surfing online. Um, so I think the key thing here to remember is that while all of this is happening, uh, like I said earlier in the intro, for those that didn't hear me, the core fundamentals of marketing are still in place. And the tactics that we have and, and the, and the uh, uh, tools that we have are endless. So there's all, all different types of ways that we can combat changes that happen within our industry and move forward and still be able to progress and get the results that we want. Um, probably the best thing that I can talk about during this is so many companies still are not uh, getting enough first-party data. They've been relying so much and so heavily on third-party data that they've kind of neglected their own data. And, and this is really a time to really dig your heels in and, and really start developing tools and systems to collect even more first-party data that, that you, than you never collected before. And I just want to kind of go through this because uh, th this kind of can give you some examples of how to, how to use this better. Um, collecting all of your data all in one source, there, there are different tools or different uh, software systems that are out there that does this for you. So while you're collecting data in different spots on your website and you're still tracking down all of that data from maybe different vendors or different resources, you can centralize that and all of that can be uh, within one place and 
easier for you to use. And that information is so incredibly important, uh, even more important than the third party data, because this is how people are actually experiencing your marketing and actually converting on your site. Um, creating more customized experiences and collection points along the journey of your own website and your own marketing. So whatever you're doing out there, just think more about, okay, um, how can we, what's something we can do at this point to collect first party data about this? Um, start looking into different tools of, of sampling your audiences along the journey and getting them to give you more feedback along the way. And just like I mentioned earlier, sync that reliable data together. Um, there's plenty of different resources out there that will help you do that. And you can still use third-party data. You can still obviously see what's going on uh, with audiences out there, uh, using it, use it more as a resource, and then marry that together with the, the first-party data that you that you've started collecting. So what does that look like? So, you know, really find ways to get more personal data uh, into your systems. Uh, whether that's someone that lands on your website and you offer that 10% discount if they just plug in their email address. You know, email addresses and phone numbers are gonna become extremely important because those are ways that we're learning to do uh, even better retargeting, uh, with, especially with the third party um, uh, loss of data out there. So collecting that email address, phone number, um, you know, along the way, if there's a way for you to determine or have them to enter their, their gender or occupation, um, nationality, uh, these are all different um, personal data collections that you can start integrating into your site and into your traffic points, uh, which will really give you some really good firsthand data. Uh, engagement data, looking at how people are engaging with your social media pages. How are they engaging with your website? How many, you know, spend a little bit more time looking at time on site and how many pages they're looking at and the traffic flow on your site. Um, this is, again, first party data. And then attitude, uh, measuring attitudes towards your products and services. Surveys, survey surveys, you know, email surveys, text surveys. Um, any of those uh, automated surveys going out can really provide you with really good first-party data that you can use uh, towards your towards your marketing goals. Uh, looking at behavioral, so um, asking your customers, you know, a little bit about their purchase history. You know, if they're purchasing a vehicle from you, well, what's the last vehicle they purchased? Um, or what's the what's the other two vehicles they considered before making a purchase on through your company? Um, so this is data that you can collect directly from your CRM, and customers will provide this data, especially if you offer them some sort of incentive, uh, small incentive just for doing this. Uh, then of course there's uh, market research. You know, again, going back to just the core fundamentals of just doing good old fashioned uh, market research about your customers. And that can be done a lot of times face-to-face. -face. It can be done through um, surveys or prototype testing. Um, but again, you're going back to collecting this data for yourself and it's true first-party data. And then of course, there are other um, data sources that you can use to, to integrate into this overall uh, strategy. 
So again, just kind of defining it, first party, second party, uh, and third, you're obviously collecting it uh, firsthand. Uh, you're collecting that data directly. Um, also, second party data would be more that's shared through a trusted partner resource. And then third party is obviously uh, aggregated data. When you're thinking about data, uh, again, if you just go back again to the core fundamentals and the foundations of marketing, then your data really should be trying to solve a pain point. And we need to make sure that when we're measuring all this data and we're measuring all of our systems and all of our conversions, are we actually doing this in a way that solves a pain point for our customers? Um, because uh, just collecting and analyzing data for the sake of, of looking at only conversions uh, is really not a good strategy. For example, you know, are we solving a financial pain point uh, with our data collection? Um, are we increasing uh, productivity? Are we uh, being more efficient and in the process? Um, and are we providing better support, better quality support? Those should all be um, integrated into our thinking of how we uh, how we look at data. If you look at an example of how this could look, you know, um, especially with first party data, um, if you're just sending a, a simple screenshot or or survey out to your audience and you're just asking them, let's say that you're a, a booking site, whether it's, a, you know, like a VRBO or, or maybe a hotel booking site, this one little answer here can can give you so much information uh, and it's and it's again, first party. So you want to know how the booking process uh, is going. 74% says it's going great. Um, so all you're really wanting to do there is enhance that a little bit. But let's say that, you know, 40% uh, found it terrible. Then you obviously want to go back and use uh, conversion methods on your site to enhance that booking process. So just as much as, as we're worried and concerned about um, how our ads are performing, we need to be uh, more concerned about the ads that we have and how they're actually converting and creating a better user experience when they're actually on our sites. Um, it's extremely important because um, the service and the experience of the site uh, has been shown to enhance how much people are willing to pay. And I just found this as a kind of a good, uh, Good tool to, to show you to show you basically how customer experience affects premium pricing on these specific items, uh, which is really kind of fascinating to look at how much people are going to pay for uh, pay more for coffee if they have a great experience, how much more they're willing to pay for a hotel stay when they have a great experience. If they ha if you have a great experience with your physician, uh, how much more likely are you to come back for your visit or pay more for that visit. Um, purchasing a sports ticket, you know, that's going to determine which site they come back to later. So, you know, a lot of times we're trying to pull people back to our site through retargeting methods, but using customer experience and first party data uh, is equally important because that's where we're really finding out if our marketing is actually making an impact on the uh, purchasing decisions of our customers or prospective customers. Um, the important thing is to, uh, to look at the data as informing your marketing, not just for KPIs. 
Um, so you can basically use the customer data that you're gathering for your marketing strategy and two kind of centrally focused ideas. Uh, one, obviously, to help drive uh, what kind of marketing content or approach that's best aligning with your customers. And then also it's, it's used as a kind of a barometer on how uh, past marketing campaigns have worked and how effective your marketing campaigns are working. So data is not just to drive <clears throat> KPIs, but use that data for driving customer experience. And I think if more people would focus on that uh, versus just, just the, the numerous uh, conversion points, and trying to, to kind of pencil all, or dot all of those in, uh, we would be much better marketers uh, if we're focused more on the experience. Yeah, obviously, 91% um, of customers are more likely to shop from brands that provide them with, that, with relevant recommendations and offers. So it just kind of goes back to the original point of, you know, Google and Facebook and all of these different uh, services, service providers, they're going to stay on mission. They're going to stay on trying to match the best um, prospective customer with the site or the source that's uh, simply the most relevant uh, during that experience. So, sorry, somebody's uh, sending me a question here. So uh, I'll definitely try to answer some of those. So again, just kind of to, to rehash and kind of go back through <clears throat> some of this information. I know a lot of times it's dumping a lot of uh, information on you in a short period of time, and sometimes these things kind of uh, hit and miss as they go by. But um, I think, in my opinion, uh, what I found is that success is still happening in the areas of paid search. I'm not finding that it's really um, been been damaging to um, our search campaigns. But again, we've been using conversion-based optimization platforms for over 15 years. So if you haven't been using that kind of strategy or those kinds of platforms, then you're probably noticing some significant differences, especially with when it comes to paid search. So I, you know, switched a couple of platforms over the years, but you've got companies like Reach Local, WordStream, who offer this technology. And since we've been working with them for so long, and they have so much uh, first-party data that we're still able to use that as a reference point but we've also create, created our own systems and you can actually plug in these systems to your own website and gather, take your first party data and marry that to the, to the uh, past third party data and really still be able to design effective uh, paid campaigns that are happening out there. So if you're not doing that, then I would suggest that you start doing that. I think all of this is just encouraging Google and Facebook to get get involved in more smart bidding, conversion-based optimization systems uh, that usually was left to third-party companies in the past. And they're, they're pulling this in-house so that uh, people who have been working direct with Google uh, can start to benefit from some of these tools that other companies were offering. So, um, so I think a lot of the, the hype about um, uh, the problems that we're facing uh, needs to simmer down a little bit because uh, we still have many different tools and systems that we can use. And then obviously focusing on voice search um, is something that uh, still too many people are not taking advantage of. And then looking at quality, things like quality score, you know, if you're, if you're not focused on relevancy, then uh, and too focused on, on just conversion, um, 
that's going to be a problem with your marketing strategy uh, as well. So with that, I'm going to look at a few questions. Um, so iOS and its impact, yeah, it's been, it's had a major uh, impact on the industry, uh, but our industry has always been changing. So if you've been in the marketing industry now for, you know, 10, 15 years, you, you've adapted to all different types of changes that are happening in the industry. This is just another change. And uh, within that change, we find solutions that, that help us, right? So um, keep in mind that, you know, a lot of people are freaking out about Facebook and their, um, the, a lot of people I'm talking to are complaining about their uh, conversion activity, their engagement, all of that. Um, you know, there was a time where you could you could access, uh, I think it was 26 different conversion points through through Facebook, and now you're kind of limited to, I think the number is eight. So if you have more than eight conversion points on your site, then um, then you're going to um, you're going to need to work with someone who understands how to make that better for you. Uh, installing the Facebook conversions API, if you haven't done that already, um, focusing on uh, um, custom audiences and lookalikes is even more important than it ever has been. I think the, the next speaker will probably dive into that a little bit more. Um, again, just a few other uh, points here that I would just uh, reiterate would be to to, to remember to build out, go ahead and start building out your first party data collection points and, and try to get as many of those out there as possible because you want to look at what your actual customers and your actual prospects are doing and what they're saying about your business during the customer experience. And that's going to give you excellent data to use in how you're designing your paid search campaigns. I guess uh, kind of like just, just to uh, wrap things up, um, you know, keep in mind that uh, the relevant experience is what Google is concerned about. It's what Facebook is concerned about, matching what people are searching for with um, relevant products and services. So shifting our thinking a little bit more towards uh, the customer experience versus uh, collection points or data points um, and KPIs, in my opinion, is a, is a better marketing strategy overall. And uh, it's going to help in many different ways in terms of increasing your customer experience overall uh, through all the different uh, layers of the buying funnel. And so that's, um, sorry, I'm getting a little bit distracted here. Um, but to me, that's, that's what's most important. So with that said, um, I think that's uh, pretty much covering everything again. Thank you so much for uh, attending this event. Hopefully you'll get to attend the one in person where we're not so confined to this space and, and we can get into uh, much more dynamic presentations with video and, and uh, uh, different experiences face-to-face uh, uh, -face and uh, pray that everyone stays safe. And uh, with that, I think um, we can probably wrap this session up. Thanks for listening to another episode of the official DigiMarcon podcast. DigiMarcon is the largest digital marketing, media, and advertising conference and exhibition event series in the world. 
holding in-person and hybrid events in over 40 cities annually across 22 countries, as well as virtual events and an international cruise. Learn more about upcoming DigiMarcon events near you at digimarcon.com slash events. Thanks again for listening to the official DigiMarcon podcast.